Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another wonderful, frightening, and spooky edition of Fearscape. Hey, hey everybody. Upper body. Um, my name is <laughs> Stefan Gearhart. I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my frighteningly good-looking host, Josh Rutledge. Well, thank you. I don't know if I'm frightening because I'm so good looking, or it's yeah, frightening the fact it's that like, I am good looking. It's like looking know. at the. It's like looking at a solar eclipse, man. It's like you know you shouldn't, but you just you just gotta. This guy's got a voice for radio. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got um, a cool show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about one of the most hotly debated alien sightings. Of all time, in my opinion, especially within the paranormal community, and it is Stan Romanek and his alien videos and his alien sightings. Uh, some of the things that happened to him, phone calls and things like that, are things you might hear that have happened in Mothman uh, and things like that, and he claims very deeply, and these videos are hotly debated yeah i mean i will tell you the first time i saw the first peekaboo video it scared <laughs> me to death well don't get me wrong they're scary but i'm yeah i'm but, gonna I take, mean, I mean but I'm, i don't know i don't I'm know a strong skeptic line on this one I'm yeah for sure um but we're gonna get moving but before we get to spooky news and stuff i want to introduce a new segment it's not even a segment it's just uh, a, a psychic friend of mine that passed away last year, and I think I talked about it on the show. Her name was Barb. Uh, she gifted me uh, some tarot cards, but she also gifted me this book. And I finally broke it out of storage and thought, man, we need to use this. This book is called the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary. And in it is literally just a giant book. And you can see it's got eight. 869 pages. I mean, it's filled with words of just psychic and paranormal wow. like stuff, phenomenon. And so uh, each week I'm going to I'm going to read one word and kind of let everybody know what it means and I do this at random. Like I'm just going to flip yep. through and I'll check them off so we don't do the same thing, but today I I just flipped it and landed on page 305, which is the letter I, and the word that drew, drew my eye was emotive consciousness. Um, and in parentheses is astral projection. So this says that emotive consciousness, an astral projection stopped due to fear. 
The astral body projects to the horizontal position, lowers itself to the standing position, becomes rigid, unable to release itself from the cataleptic state, and withdraws into the physical body without taking the trip. Hmm. So like your uh, your thing you shared a few weeks back with your uh, yeah, that's uh, what I was night wondering. hags with where you were like, you know, you're kind of floating and you're looking back and that would have been a very good example of yeah, fear. Well, yeah, because one of the things I said is that I couldn't move. I wasn't going around. I was stuck looking right. at myself. And so that tells me that I was indeed but emotive. You didn't really transfer to the standing position. You right. Just, you no. You stayed floating it, above your body. And but, then I fell back right, in essentially. Right, so yeah. I, it, it, I would say at least the emotive. I mean, essentially, I mean, it's like. Right. I mean, that was part of that. So, yeah, very cool. We're going to be visiting one of those all the time. And then if if we feel like it, we might do, too. Yeah. So, But, yeah, very cool book. Rest in peace, Barb. I'm sure she's here listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, today, like I said, we're going to be talking about Stan Romanek. Uh, But before we get into that, let's get into a little bit of spooky news. So this week on Spooky News, I've got two things. I've got a goofy one, and then I've got I've got a number of different things. But I'm I'm gonna do one that's time sensitive. Okay. Um. So the first one I'm gonna do first is just a fun one. Um. So I'm a Doctor Who fan, big Doctor Who fan, and uh, Jodie Whittaker, who is playing the new Doctor Who, uh, in uh. In an interview, was asked if she believed in aliens, and huh. she said, "I believe in aliens one hundred percent. No room for error. <laughs> no room for error." Um, she really talks a lot about it. What she says is because they ask her, like, you know, what 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 are things you believe in? She says, "I'm agnostic." She says, "I'm spiritual, and I believe in the energy of beings, and I believe in aliens one hundred percent." I mean, come on, it can't just be us. I don't know if we've had contact but we are aliens to someone beyond our linear time and history and galaxy there has to be life in a way that maybe we can't even pinpoint as life Hmm. so pretty astute for an actress right i mean this coming from me i'm an actor so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not an actor but i play one on the radio i play one on tv um but no i love her she has such a great energy i love watching the new show but yeah i really loved that i love when actors come out especially someone on a sci-fi show so when i saw uh, i don't know if you watched the super bowl this past weekend um but uh there was like a walmart episode where they had all this pop culture reference and a telephone booth shot down and like oh it's a doctor who reference and then instead like bill and ted step out of it. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> there's always been joke that bill and ted was the americanized version i mean police box versus phone right. booth but yeah and then of course with uh um uh bill and ted 3 coming out yeah i'm really excited about it so it should be Whoa. fun um, but the other one, the reason I said I want to jump on this now instead of some of the other stories I have is that very shortly, uh, the British X-Files, in quote, of UFO sightings are about to go public. Oh. So uh, the UK's Ministry of Defense will publish secret UFO reports for the first time. This comes from LiveScience.com. Um, from the early 1950s until 2009, a department in the United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense documented and investigated reports of UFOs. So this was essentially their Project Blue Book. Right. 
Okay. Uh, now, more than a decade after the program ended, many of those formerly classified files about UFO sightings will be made available to the public for the first time. Previously, some of these files about UFOs had been published online at the UK National Archives website. However, all of the, U- the agency's UFO reports will be released this year on a dedicated gov.uk webpage. So this will be for anyone in the world to be able to go see. I mean, this is pretty cool that they're actually standing up a website yeah. for the purpose of releasing it, it. It is. And this is coming from uh, a spokesperson at the British Royal Air Force. Um, this is what he told The Telegraph. Uh, The decision came after PA Media, a British news agency, filed a request for the UFO files under the Freedom of Information Act, according to the Telegraph. MOD officials decided it would be better to publish these records rather than continue sending documents to the National Archives. Which, uh, there was something that I had watched recently. uh, I was watching on Prime. I was just looking up UFO documentaries and stuff. And there was one that was uh, these guys were in England. They were on an Air Force base there. Huh. And um, they have not been believed forever. And that they're looking forward to this. And that's what every time they would look for any information, they would get sent to the National Archives. And the archives would say, oh, well, you need yeah. to go to the Royal Air Force Base. And it would just be this loop. Well, you know, what's what's really uh, interesting to me about all of this is that uh, it's almost like. Uh, they understand that the resources that it takes to fill out or to complete one of these Freedom of Information Acts, like for the onesie twosie, mm-hmm. is more of a draw or a strain on the budget than it would be to just to stand up a website and release everything for everybody to sift through. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's it, just it becomes, way easier. It becomes a budgetary concern almost that do we really want somebody going and one person or two people pulling all these files for every request, or do we just want to make it all available? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, and I, I would not be surprised with the recent Navy stuff that came out that they kind of felt a little pressured themselves. Um, so, uh, but this continues on. It says the UK's fascination with UFOs spiked around 1950, prompting the MOD to form the Flying Saucer Working Party to address the phenomenon, according to the UK National Archives. UFOs in the early 1950s even captured the attention of Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who sent a memo to his air minister in 1952 asking, what does all this stuff about flying saucers amount to? What can it mean? And what is the truth? Huh. The Flying Saucer Group concluded that UFOs were hoaxes, delusions, or ordinary objects that were misidentified, recommending that no further investigation of reported mysterious aerial phenomena be undertaken. Nevertheless, other MOD divisions continued to work on official UFO investigations in the UK, ushering such efforts into the 21st century. However, the last UFO report to be published online by the MOD dates to 2009, covering sightings that took place from January through the end of November of that year. Wow. These included a silver disc-shaped light reported in January of 2009, up to 20 orange and red glowing lights, a large bright silver-white ball or sphere, and three blazing gold orbs in a diagonal line in the sky. After MOD enacted a policy change on December 1st, 2009, the agency no longer recorded or investigated UFO sightings, according to the report. But what they did find, including many recent UFO reports that were previously available only as hard copies, will be published online within the next few months, said Nick Pope, a former UFO investigator for the MOD. There should be some interesting nuggets in these new files, Pope said. 
Huh. That's just that is really. I mean, you know, we we've talked about it before. About I mean, are we on the verge of just like everything coming out? Yeah. You know, with with the with the introduction of the Freedom of Information Act and everything that you know now it's becoming you know uh, I guess more difficult for uh, governments of the world to that, mm-hmm. that that have such a policy to just turn a blind eye to those requests. Right. Well, and then even then, I mean, those of those, I can already hear the uh, government conspiracists out there saying, they're still only letting us know the things they think we want to know. Right. Right. I mean, it's, (laughs) and I, you know, and that's probably true. There's probably the, the box with the crystal skull and the, uh, all that kind of stuff in area 51 somewhere. But, but I mean, um, you know, I was talking to somebody about this today, about the fact that, you know, we, I think that there are things in in really for us to swing um, our thought process as a as a human race to stop thinking about ourselves as uh, individual pockets of people mm-hmm. uh, to really start thinking about ourselves as a human race would be the concrete solid introduction of truth or or existence of intelligent life. That is visiting or has visited the earth. Yeah, I would love that. I mean, we're all reading because, you know, in a, in a few weeks we're going to be covering Indrid Cold. And so we've been reading um, up on uh, Woody Derenberger's book, Visitors from Lanulus. Yep. And it's interesting the way this small town redneck red state voter hick talks about this utopia right. that Lanulus is, right? And how he has that same dream for Earth. It's really, really interesting to hear. Well, and, and we'll get to it when we get to the episode, but there's also a lot of similarities between the the um, uh, uh, society for, for Lanulus and what's described in, uh, in Star Trek yeah. uh, by Picard in First Contact. So yeah. it almost makes you wonder if the writers for Star Trek had read... Uh, visitors from Lanyulus. Well, I mean, no, I don't know. When, when <laughs> Star Trek came out in what sixty? Yeah, but but it wasn't. I don't think that. So it did. It came out in sixty four, I believe. Because I, I think like Woody came out with his stuff in sixty three. I think when he started saying that when he no. was on the news, no, no, that was. I think it was sixty seven, sixty eight. Was it a little bit later? Yeah, because it was around the same time. Is the whole Mothman thing, which started in '66, so Star Trek would have been out uh, for some <laughs> period of time. But I don't think, and I'm gonna, the true Trekkies out there are probably gonna, you're not a Trekkie, but because we don't know the actual dates. But yeah, it was 1966 to 1967 uh, for uh, Mothman and uh, first sighting of injured cold. This says 75, but I, I know that's, that's wrong. not wrong. That, that's that's wrong. right. This yeah. is this is a, a, a bad website. But um, but I mean, it was I think it was around the same timeline as Mothman. But I mean, regardless, it, it there is some overlap with that in Star Trek. But I don't remember in the original series that it was described the society that 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 uh, the Federation existed within was described to the level that it was by Picard in First Contact. Oh yeah! So not the at all. the fact that you know humanity works to better themselves, and you can even and kind of see stuff. that in the old episodes, right? Like that, a lot of that's not really there. So, um, so and that's th- really explored, of course, in Enterprise, right? right. <laughs> so, I mean, it, the, so the whole my whole point is is that uh, it's 
very possible that visitors from Lanulos as a book or potentially the writers had an encounter of their own with the <laughs> Lenlogian uh, that would maybe have influenced uh, their decision on including I mean, that. The, well, the reason I was trying to look up the date, because, like, yeah, if that's absolutely true, if that was the case, it would be really cool because I would have done that kind of research, right? Like, yeah. you know, I would have looked up sci-fi books, and guess what? Woody's book's going to show up in right. sci-fi as well as nonfiction because it <laughs> definitely skirts the line. Right, exactly. <laughs> But we will talk about yeah, Andrew we'll Colton in a few in a weeks. weeks. We're so. going to have Santosh, David Smith come on. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be talking about that. But so let's just jump right into Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. Yep. So I have some that just happened last night. Do you have any? I have something. So uh, if you follow us, you know we've been off for uh, about two weeks. You were sick yep. and some things like that. That's why we put out a um, a uh, An archive, archive episode yep. from the Mammoth Cape, which is really cool. But anyways, so we've had a long time. So I haven't had anything this week, but the week prior I did. So I'll tell you, my mind goes really quick. Okay. Um, I had told you, I had texted you one day, and I said, remind me to tell you about the mystery flusher. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I um, am at Olive Garden. We're celebrating my niece's birthday, and uh, I have to use the restroom as I normally do since I had uh, surgery, weight loss surgery. I tend, tend to use have to use the restroom pretty frequently, and I'm in there, and uh, I see feet kind of moving around and stuff in the stall next to me. I usually try not to use the handicap stall, like always, unless, yeah. unless it's not the only open, one available or, or, yeah. or it's. On yeah. you know the clean one, um, but you know I'm sitting there and there's somebody in there and it and it like it starts moving it flushes right and then I, and I kind of see out of the I'm not really paying attention because I'm on my phone and then I kind of see it go back it flushes again I'm like man he must have had a goose egg yeah really right and then no one comes out of the door I don't see feet under there anymore and then a guy walks in and goes into that stall <laughs> I only see one set of feet. He uses the restroom, and it flushes. He leaves. I see his feet move. I'm taking a good long one. Yeah. Because I actually wasn't feeling good. I was afraid I was going to throw up, too. Anyway, so, like, I'm watching this guy, and then the bathroom gets empty again, and the toilet flushes. And then it flushes again, like, a few minutes later. Huh. Well, And so, finally, I finish up. And I get I get done and I go in there and I'm trying to wave at it to try to make it to go. I'm like, maybe it's malfunctioning. Yeah. Nothing. Right. I'm in there. I'm moving around. Nothing. <laughs> I kind of stand outside. I wait. Nothing. And as I'm leaving the uh, the bathroom, I hear my toilet flush. <laughs> and I was like, OK, we're done. And I scooted out of there. That's crazy. <laughs> so whatever was Whatever trickster ghost was messing with me, messed with me in the bathroom, and that is a sacred place, okay? (laughs) It is a sacred place, but it was enough to give me the spookies, you you know? know, You don't don't talk to the guy next to you at the urinal. You don't flush the guy's toilet next to you in the the cubicle, you know, it just... If it was simply the flush, like, I I would still even question it, but I can recall seeing feet, like, the first Mm. time. And, and, like, I never heard that door unlatch. And, 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 in fact, the truth of the matter is I thought it was weird because I remember seeing the door was open. You know, when I first came in, I saw that the door was open. 
Huh. You know, so I, was, I thought it was weird the guy was pooping with his with his door yeah, open. Well, like maybe the latch doesn't work. You know, maybe he's a free thinker. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my spookiness. I mean, I had um, oh no, my big one. It's been two weeks since the dream. Yeah, we have not talked about. No, we haven't here. <sighs> okay, so I'm gonna let you talk about yours because I'm gonna pull it up. So okay, I can read from it. Yeah, read. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Um, mine has like so it it kind of dropped off a little bit because and I don't know it's it's really weird I, like I was reading or listening to the audio book uh, visitors from Langelos and while I was doing that and it took about four days because I listened to it on the way back and forth from work um, it uh, all activity dropped off like it's like no activity in the house no nothing at night when I was dreaming nothing I finished up the book yesterday activity again <laughs> so it's just like the ghosts are like yeah that book's a little too you know <laughs> it's a little too weird or i mean you know the lanulosians are all about positivity and goodness right right well, so, maybe, yeah maybe <laughs> but i mean you know you cleansed my house i did so there's you know that should all be all that's there but anyway interesting i was talking to uh my friend cindy um she was there as well when you came out to the store where I was reading tarot. Yep. And I was talking to her about everything, and we had talked about how um, we were worried that things were still looking in your window because I didn't think to do the perimeter of the house. I simply did the house. And she was like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, they like looking in. <laughs> well, and then you saw the humanoid in the backyard. Yeah. The night oh, and I, yeah. I did. Yeah. I don't know that I mentioned that yeah, on here yeah. either because that was the last time I left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one quick thing was when I was leaving, um, I... I, you know, you're all, you've always felt like something was in your backyard yep. and things like that. And when I left, it was dark and I felt something and it wasn't back deep in the woods. It was like a quarter of the way up your yard from the woods. Huh. And it was a silhouette. I'm still not sure, but I mean, it looked tall. It was a big, tall thing possible antlers i don't know like but it definitely huh. was not a deer not a i mean deer. I, I mean we do get deer in our backyard right and i know the difference okay. this was taller than that i mean huh. it was and it was long there was no back end to it or anything okay. like that and i could see arms right so there were arms and legs deer don't have arms yeah and i just i felt it watching me you know huh. like it was creepy, and I just kind of scooted on. I didn't feel <laughs> scared, but I just felt uneasy. Uneasy. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I didn't feel like it was evil or anything like that. So so anyway, so yeah, so the uh, the activity picked back up. And so um, last night when I went to bed, I was, uh, you know, I've been, you know, as per your guidance, I've kind of envisioned myself protected and like a, a grounded in a, in a cocoon or of, of energy or whatever, and only positive things can get in. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm laying there and I'm and I'm trying to you know I immediately feel like okay tonight tonight's gonna be something like I'm gonna have activity like it's it's like just the previous nights when I was laying there and doing it I knew that I wasn't gonna get anything but but tonight and last night I, I knew that I was gonna get something so I'm laying there and I and I and I focus on your name and, you know in, in reading the 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 visitors from Lanulos one of the things they talk about is that everybody can learn how to do. Uh, telepathy and here's how you do it and all that kind of stuff. So I tried that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in my, uh, I mean, my eyes are closed, so like it's I'm, I'm, it's hard to say I'm, I'm I'm seeing it, but I'm not actually seeing it with my eyes, right? It's right. The images are forming in my mind, if you will, and I'm seeing your uh, the living room of the house that you're in now, 
And so, you know, I, I'm like, I'm seeing the couch that you're sitting on and I'm seeing the, the thing that's kind of a, across the way from the couch and the desk and the, and the, the piano and everything. And in, in that, uh, in that kind of that, and it wasn't really a dream, but it's like in that vision, I, uh, I called out to you and I said, uh, I'm going to give you a number. And I said, uh, the number was in my mind, I said, the number was 24. Now, when I got here, to, when I got, you know, here tonight, I, I said, hey, I'm going to ask you, pick a random number between 1 and 50. And what was the number you said? 42. Which is the exact flip of the number that I gave you. And I you. said, I do have some slight dyslexia. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, but I mean, it's just, it, that was just the, the coincidental piece there. Well, so. and then, like you said, you got here and you'd not been here before you, you might have been here 20 years ago yeah. when we were kids. But right. Even I didn't remember the first time I came back. Um, you know, you came in and you were like, yep, this is what I saw. And to the point where you said you had even saw a plaid blanket on the couch. And I happen to have a plaid blanket sitting over on the couch for yep. the cat because she's been trying to dig in between the cushions. So I put that there so she just sleeps yeah. on it. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it was just very odd. Mm-hmm. And so I'll... uh you know, I'll continue to try that at night and see, you know, we yeah, can make a connection. Happens. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to. I've been a little, whoop. you know, David and, or excuse me, Santosh and I used to call it witch mail when we used to try to speak to one another. Huh. But yeah, so that's my, uh, that's my creepy ketchup. So you're big one. Yep. So. So yeah, my big one. <laughs> so uh, this was crazy. So I had a dream. Uh, the other night, uh, actually last actually, week, I guess. Well, it started with you. Right. I'm going to talk okay, about okay, that. Okay, okay. Um, but I, I, cause I was reading through what I had sent you and Santosh and I realized that, uh, it seemed a little off. So I'm just kind of pre-explaining. Okay. So there's a dream, but there's something that happened before that, which also fits into creepy ketchup. In fact, that's most of the story, <laughs> but it's a precursor to said dream. Right. In my opinion. So, uh, this is verbatim what I said to you. I said, so I was going to wait until Wednesday to tell you this but changed my mind. Let me precursor by saying I have some creepy ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you this part just in case it connects to what I'm about to tell you. So last night I went out for a late drive. I ended up at Waverly Park. Now this is in Louisville. This is the park that's on the backside of the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Right. When you turn in to go to the sanatorium, you can go to the right and go to the park. Yep. Or go to the left and go up to the hill. Yep. Uh, and they are no longer connected like they used to be. Um, so you definitely have to go another way now. Um, you, in fact, you can't even get there through the park oh, anymore. You can't? No. They, I mean, you can jump over the thing right. there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's now mostly to get up to the tower, the, okay. the um, radio tower. But anyways, yeah. So it's a lot of it's cut off and the golf course is now kind of in between. But anyways, so I, I hadn't been up there since high school. Yeah. And so I was like, cool, I want to go drive around. It was late at night. I just happened to be in the neighborhood bad idea um so i drive all the way through and back it's pitch black dark out so the interesting thing about this is that it ends there's no outlet here right okay it's one one road it's one way in one way out out, okay you go all the way to the end there's trails and all that crap and you turn around um so anyways uh it's pitch black dark out because it was kind of like rainy that night but the second i entered the park entrance the temperature in my car dropped and the heater started blowing cold air and so immediately one i'm getting a little scared because i'm I'm, right now i'm driving my mother-in-law's car and i'm like oh my god i broke her car (laughs) right and but what happened is that I also got a deep pit in my stomach and felt immense dread and fear. Hmm. 
And I was like, okay, well, it is kind of spooky. It's night. Yeah. I'm by myself. But I know that when supernatural things happen, the temperature drops right. and things like that. And I find it funny that this beautiful Ford Focus starts blowing cold air yeah. when it's been blowing hot this whole time. Right. So I kept driving. And at one point, I saw what looked like a man in a white gown standing on top of one of the hills as I turned the curve. I blinked and he was gone. And it was like, just like out of a movie. I mean, it was just like, like out of a movie. Like standing there in a hospital gown. Yeah, standing there in a hospital gown, kind of silhouetted because it's dark. And then I like I blink my eyes and it's gone. And I try to look back, but I, I'm too scared because I'm afraid I'm going to crash the car, right? Not my car. Um, but I go further. I'm like, okay, what else is going <laughs> to happen? Um, I see a shadow run across the road. I slam on my brakes. So I don't hit whatever it is. There's nothing there. My brights are on full blast. Yeah. There, I, I turn this corner. There's something there. I hit the brakes. It's not there. Um, I'm freaked out. So I go to the end of the park where the playground is. And I go and I sit kind of. There's an open parking lot. And I'm trying to take in the two things that I just saw. Right. And I look over at the swing set. And the middle swing is swinging. And there is no one there. The other two swings are not moving. Hmm. At all. I mean, is it like a like a full swing or just like kind of like barely swinging? In between. Okay. I mean, it's definitely not a full swing. Or I would have like. <laughs> I had to jump the fence into the, the neighborhood <laughs> that was right there. Um, but it was enough to freak me out, and it was definitely more than just Yeah. I not mean, like just like a casual wind. No, it, it looked like when you're hanging with your friends and you're slightly swinging, yeah. right? That's what it looked like okay. someone was doing. It looked like, and the, you know, the swing was curved a little bit. I mean, it freaked me out because the other two were not moving. Um, and <laughs> the the other the other swings were at a dead standstill and I decided to get the heck out of there. So I go all the way to the end and I turn around in the turnabout and I begin the long drive back out of the park and let me tell you at this point it seems like forever. Like it seems like forever. <laughs> uh at this point I start to see headlights in my rear view. Now remember what I told you, I came all the way in, there's only one yep. way in, one way out and I turned around and started to go back. So was there, you mentioned you stopped in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Was there any other car in the parking lot? No. Okay. And the turnaround is literally like right there. Right. Like the parking lot is at the lake. You just turn around. You go down a little bit at the lake. And so e either way, and it, it, there's there's lights. So, I mean, I would see right. another was, car in right. the parking lot, but I don't. I see, and I'm, I'm laughing and scared at the same time because we we talk about how that happened to us in Shelbyville, right? About seeing yep. lights in our rear view. And um, I look behind. There's nothing, right? <laughs> I turn a curb. I see headlights in the rear view. I look behind. There's nothing. Wow. Um, and then no more headlights in the rear view. It happened uh, at least three or four times total. Um, finally, I get towards the main road and pull to the right because I'm like, I got to let this car pass. Right. Because I'm like, okay, maybe it just needs to pass. Nothing. And I said, screw this. And I turned around and I said, I'm going to go find this mystery car because there's only one way in, one way out. Right. I don't like being messed with. So I turned around, went all the way back through the entire thing. No car. Hmm. Nothing. So needless to say. Whew, 
turned around and got the heck out of there. Okay. <laughs> I sped out of there as fast as I could. My heart was racing. And as soon as I got back to the main road a second time and turned onto it, the feeling of fear and dread passed and the heat started pumping from the heater again. Wow. Literally the second I turned out of the park onto the main road, I felt it click on full blast. Huh. <sighs> So fast forward to finishing the Mothman prophecies and reading some of Visitors of Lanulus, I go to bed that night, and then I, I then dream. So this puts me where I the precursor is yep, done. Right. So I dream that I'm back at Waverly Park, and I'm looking for the mystery car. But what I find is the Mothman floating in the parking lot where the playground is. So I get out of the car, and I hear that buzzing, fluttering noise that they all say they hear in the book, and I see the big red glowing eyes. And I tell it, I know this is just your spacesuit, but show me who you really are. Sidebar, that's a theory that we have, is right. that it's actually like it's it's a it's a flying spacesuit right. or ship, so to speak, that whatever alien is using, right? So right. I say, show me who you really are. The Mothman lands and its wings fold behind it, and it removes its helmet to re- to reveal the big smiling grin of Indrid Cold. His hair was slicked back and everything. Huh. He begins to laugh at me maniacally, like scary <laughs> maniacally. So there are mixed stories of Edward right. Cold. So right. all from Woody Derenberger and his family. They're the sweetest, yeah. kindest p- people on the planet. Happy-go-lucky. Everyone else, frightening. Right. Like he is just a trickster and is, is scary and evil. And if you get on Reddit and look up pictures of him, they're scary as all get out. Right. <clears throat> But he starts laughing, so I scream at him, and I say, what the F do you want from me? Fear? And Indrid says to me, no, we want you to understand. He then pushes a button on his chest, and what looks like television fuzz or snow wraps around his head. Like it's so it's like completely around his head is this television, this fuzz, and then it clears and goes to HD and it reveals Josh's face, your face, my face, your face. And here your effing face, because I was scared (laughs) when I wrote this to you. Um, I gasp in my dream and I fall to the ground and start scooting back, trying to get out of there. But you dream you grabs my hand and helps me up and says to me. Stefan, I am always or, or I am and always have been your friend, which I find is funny, which is a slight alliteration right. on Star, Star Trek, Trek. So it's not yeah. exactly the same, but it's different. Um, so you say I am and always have been your friend and I am and always have been all of these things. The road is going to be deep and eye opening and you will not be able to share most of it. Only you and I will know, though I don't even know all yet. But there is something I must tell you. It is very important that you listen very closely. This is the most important thing I will ever tell you. Josh needs you to... And then my alarm goes off. <laughs> and I scream out, yeah, no! And of course my wife says, I feel you, F the alarm, right? <laughs> but it was literally the most vivid dream I had ever wow. had in my entire life. And I can still see it crystal clearer. Like, <laughs> I can just see it. And uh, But yeah, I'm like, no, this happens to me all the time. Every time something super important is about to happen, my alarm goes off. <laughs> well, I think that's the way it works, right? Man. I, I mean, that, that's the way that, like, when you think about TV shows and stuff, it's always what, you know, you 
you, all you got to do is remember this one thing, and then it's like it goes to a commercial or something. Yeah, yeah. or or a, a cliffhanger, and then second season doesn't get <laughs> right. picked up. Doesn't get picked up. Carnival. I'm talking happens. to you. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, but that that is a crazy. I, and I don't know dream. what it means, and I'm sad because as as a as a podcast host, I'm like the, my whole thing is sharing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like. <laughs> Like what am I? I'm sorry, guys. I'm gonna tell you guys right now, listeners, old blanket huggers out there. I'm sorry that there's apparently some really neat stuff I'm not gonna be able to share with right. you. Right? I mean, maybe you'll get another dream. I'd- yeah, maybe I'll be able to share it to you in a book yeah, that'll be right. for sale because that <laughs> tends to always be what happens as well. Maybe your uh, your dream will go on to a second season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Well, I want to go back out there. In fact, my roommate Paul, I told him, I said, "Man, as soon as we get a night, let's go drive around. I want to go look." And of course, I want us to go. Uh, and Santosh too, and then of course just go to Waverly because I've still never been to Waverly Hills itself. Really? So I'm very anxious. I mean, I've seen it from yeah. afar, but not the um, yeah. So the they do a uh, guided tour, mm-hmm. and they also do like an overnight tour, but you have to have right. a, a lot of people for yeah. that one. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, we'll definitely look into that. So, but yeah, so that's that's what I got for creepy ketchup. <laughs> have you noticed that our uh, our creepy ketchup is getting longer and longer and longer? Longer and longer. You know, it's yeah. like it's like soon the show will just be us talking about what happened to us. We'll between... have to fill in in between. <laughs> like each week, you'll get two episodes. You'll get one right. of the topic and one of creepy ketchup, right? Or of uh, our conspiracy theories that we hold dear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, let's go ahead and get out of here. Let's go ahead and move to our main topic, unless you've got something else. I wanted to start doing a thing about MUFON. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. We do. We have a new segment yeah. that we want to get to. This will always follow Creepy Ketchup. We want to talk about our uh, sighting of the week. Um, so we've gotten really hip and uh, digging deep into a lot of UFO stuff. Uh, you know, we, we still will always cover ghosts and hauntings yeah. and stuff. And uh, we get a lot of that in, in spooky news and stuff like that. But we, we've been coming across a lot of UFO sightings and the topics that we've been getting into with Mothman and Indra Cold and stuff right. like that. Hellier. Hellier and all that. It's really piqued our interest. So we wanted to uh, bring you guys a sighting of the week that we found on MUFON, which is the uh, Mutual UFO Network, and uh, they collect them. And yep. so, yeah, that's that's what we got. So we're going to start this week. So this is sighting of the week. Yeah, so this actually happened um, on two one, so just recently, twenty twenty. Um, so this is this comes out of uh, 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 England, United Kingdom, I guess. I don't know what it's Which called. is funny since our spooky news today, we talked about uh, the yeah the, the RAF coming out right. with their UFOs. So the the kind of the report of the, the subject line is floating gray ball type object started off as a bright star like solid light. So. Uh, the guy goes on to say that uh, I was stand on my back porch and noticed bright white solid star-like object, approximately 45 degrees in sky, moving from west to south in front of me. I observed the object make a sudden but short lateral darting motion before the object made sudden stop. After approximately... Five seconds, object continued along lateral path toward my view of the moon, which was behind um, the light cloud cover. The object appeared to suddenly increase altitude, and at this point, I was aware of a second 
unlit ball slash cube shaped object following behind it. It appeared to chase the illuminated object in a circular motion around my view of the of the moon. The illuminated object then disappeared, leaving only the unlit object in the sky, which also suddenly disappeared a few seconds later. I managed to take a sequence of photographs of the incident using a digital camera in night mode as I knew from seeing similar objects previously the image quality would be brighter than if filming. I also managed to stitch the images together into a short video sequence. And we'll, we'll make sure to include a link to that uh, when we post this up yeah. uh, on our uh, social media platform. So if you don't follow us, make sure you follow us there. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a very interesting story. And, again, still recent. I mean, you know, we talk about it, the, you know, we talk about it several times that uh, it seems like um, – the activity kind of slumped off for a while, and then now it's picking back up. And something that I hear quite a bit in, like, the Mothman prophecies and things is they refer to um, to a series of, of UFO encounters as a flap. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was a term that I was not previously um, aware of until I started reading Mothman prophecies. And then we, we also heard it mentioned in, in Hellier. They talk about yeah. hid, hidden flap. Yeah. Um, it's like a UFO flap. And so... I've I've all, I've tried to look up and see what flap actually stands for. When I, well, it's I, when your your belly gets big and it hangs <laughs> over. <laughs> no, that's that's Dunlop disease. Oh, Dunlap. Sorry. Yeah, yeah your 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 belly Dunlapped over your belt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> wrong thing. Yeah, but yeah. So that's our that's our sighting of the week. Awesome. Okay, so we're getting into Stan Romanek. So let's uh, Stan. Let's Mr. get her done and Mr. talk about. Monsieur Romanek. Yeah. Um, and uh, how we'll find out how he screwed his own pooch, like, <laughs> by ruining himself. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be perfectly honest here. I, I do try to take, um, uh, try to have a little bit better open mind. But when I was reading through and collecting information on this guy, I'm like, I'm not, something's screaming at me that this is, there's just something ain't right here. But I know, you know, you and I have talked about it. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to try to pr- present... Uh, the evidence, right, uh, for everyone to make their but own. But please feel free to share your opinion. Yeah. That's what makes our show fun, right? Too. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's usually me sharing my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mister Stan Romanek, uh, born nineteen sixty-two, currently resides within Colorado, I believe. Um, is an ardent ufologist, a self-proclaimed alien abductee, and noted star seed. Ooh, Starseed. I wonder if that's in my book. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Hold okay. On. Let's see well, if Starseed. While you're looking it up, I'm going to continue. So okay. his claim to fame is the sheer breadth of evidence he has collected over the years proving the existence of aliens, including hundreds of photos, videos, audio recordings, sweet drawings, and math <laughs> <laughs> equations. <laughs> He claims he could not, should not know. That just sounded like a like an old eighties WWF <laughs> entrance. Um, so there is no uh, star seed in here. Uh, what about Star Lord uh, from, <laughs> from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy? There is seed in here. Um, I mean, it says 
I don't know. It just talks about the conscious mind. I think this is very, very different. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we I do have a little bit of a breakdown of what they, okay what they mean by star seed. So, um, but so he's most famous for what is commonly known as the Boo video. Heck yeah, the Boo video freaked um, me out, dude. Which uh, purportedly captures an alien peeping into Romanek's window. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. I, I do want to take a second to say you know there's a documentary that talks about it. I think you said it's available on Amazon. Yep. You can you also get on YouTube and find uh, bits and pieces of the documentary. Uh, the Mainly the, the kind of the... Uh, yeah, it's the called Boo, Extraordinary, the Stan Romanek yeah, story. Yeah, the, the Boo video and stuff. You mm-hmm. can find that stuff on YouTube as well. So Yep. And, of course, parodies of those yeah, videos. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If, if you don't count the actual video as a parody. Oh! <laughs> I mean, you might be right. I don't know. So, uh, so basically, Romanek claims that... He is a very important person, and that aliens have picked him spe- uh, specifically to bring their message to the people of Earth. Now, this is a little bit of, you know, this this is actually a common thread, I think, around, around a lot of different people of this sort. Mm-hmm. And when you talk, when we talked about Woody Derenberger, I mean, his, his was the same thing. You know, he felt like he was he was picked to, yeah. to help carry the message the of... Thing, the difference between Derenberger, though, and Romanek is that Derenberger seems very humble about it. You know? Like, he never... Whereas Romanek seems very... Ha-ha! Yeah. Like, the, the, the way that I put it that Romanek reminds me of is uh, Napoleon Dynamite's brother. Okay. That's, that's who... Yeah. I'm totally sweet. Right? <laughs> you know? Like, that's yeah. Romanek to me. Right. But yeah, I mean you're right. I mean, what he Derenberger, I mean, he he didn't he didn't seek to make any money. In fact, I think when I so the the edition of his book that I have um is actually a, a an updated uh, version from 2014 mm-hmm. that was edited um by uh, his daughter as well as right. another another individual. Yeah, she wrote a follow-up yeah. as well, which I But liked. um but it, he, he the the guy who did the editing there's a there's a post note at the at the end and he says that at the time in like 76 or 75 or whatever uh, whenever he could get a hold of the book there was only six uh, uh prints in or six copies in circulation. Right. So I mean he, he, Derenberger didn't seek fame or fortune right. from his work. I, I don't think any of these guys. I mean, you got Alan Greenfield and those guys as yeah. well, too. I mean, but I mean, I would argue that Romanek maybe is the... Is the well, Romanek's part of the YouTube generation. It's right. a different world. But I'm well, saying, like, some of those older guys, you know, that are ri- writing those books, they wanted to get that information out there. Right. So, so um, he claims to be a frequent flyer with at least one of the many alien species that frequent our planet. He also claims to have another family, including seven alien-human hybrid children. Uh, like all star seeds, Stan injects a sizable amount of spirituality into his ufology and paints himself as a messiah-like figure. Okay. So that makes a little more sense. And, and almost kind of fits a small bit of narrative like the indigo children and some things like that yeah so um stan's aforementioned space family and space kids came as quite a shock to his wife lisa right that was my next question yeah uh being so distant however she was able to cope with his news until stan met his space space wife at an earth convention awkward yeah (laughs) Um, his space wife turned out to be a younger human woman 
whom Stan regularly spends private time with. Lisa, no doubt on the receiving end of a sustained gaslighting campaign, (laughs) (laughs) has learned to accept Stan's space wife into the cult family. And so this is, and, and this is brought up in the documentary as well. And, you know, this is the point where I'm like, man, did this dude come up with all of this just to justify right. a, like an yeah. affair? Right. Right. This is where the skeptic in me came out. Yeah. So, so uh, moving on to the Boo video, uh, which is his uh, quote unquote claim to fame. So the uh, grainy but surprisingly stable. Uh, it goes on to say, this is one of the rare instances where alien footage was shot on a tripod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a video of a suspiciously immobile, expressionless alien head popping up to peek into Romanok's window carried Stan to superstardom after it appeared on Larry King Live in 2008. Mm-hmm. And I saw that when it happened. So, so you were that's one what of- I'm saying. Like, I was one of the ones that was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> We need to get a shelter and <laughs> get some canned goods because it's over. I'm going to go down and buy all the MREs. I get my <laughs> yeah, I was ready to dig a hole, man. It's like what, uh, the movie uh, Signs when um, it's like the, the video footage of the kid's yeah. birthday party and mm-hmm. you see the alien move. Oh, it still gets me, dude. It still gets me. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the you know it goes on to say only the head is visible. Um, this person I wrote, who wrote this said uh, because it's bobbing up and down on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> it does blink and the mouth seems to move, but otherwise the alien is expressionless, motionless, and quite lifeless. Um, the video and much of his evidence in general is so nakedly fake <laughs> that. Even the most ardent ufologists tend to distance themselves from Romanek and say that he's making them look silly. And that's not exactly true. Only the last, you know, 10 years or so. Like, but that first 10 years, I mean, well, I guess that has been about 10 years. But only the first couple years, or last couple years, because the first couple years, everybody was like, this is remarkable. Huh. You know, and of course, any skeptics can be able to say it's it's fake. And that that's I mean, we've talked about yeah. it on the show before. I mean, it's I, it's, I, I distrust skeptics more than I trust people that believe because skeptics, you can find anything wrong. I, I can tell you exactly. Oh, that light over there. It's it's got it's obviously lit by a fire. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, in in, in 2008, um, you know, um, graphics and, and that sort of thing from the computer aspect of the world, we were still not to the level we are today. T- today, it's much easier to make a realistic-looking fake video. Right. Um, back then, even in 2008, which is not... I mean, it doesn't seem like that long ago, we were still, from a graphics perspective, not... Uh, it, it would it would have appeared fake right. had it been produced with a, you know, CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. Uh, Stan filmed a follow-up video of another alien peering into his house from a sliding door. And that one looks even crazier. Like, it's good. <laughs> uh, more of this motionless, expressionist alien is visible. See, I disagree with this guy's, like, idea of things. I thought it was very expressionful. But, I mean, then again, who, who assumes that aliens are going to have expressions? Yeah, well, so it's... 
I actually found a guy who wrote a pretty big uh, skeptic piece. We're going to get into it later, but he has some things around, I don't know, the feasibility of mm-hmm. aliens in general and how they've been described. But So <clears throat> we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest, though. I did. I pulled together the two articles that uh, that painted more of the skeptics' view, but still included the evidence as as it's told. Right. So, because again, when I was researching, I was like, "Man, it's just yeah." So, <laughs> <coughs> um, so more of the uh, alien is visible, including the head, neck, chest, and arm, and some of the body. Uh, he goes on to say, before it awkwardly slides out of sight without swinging its arms or turning its head or visibly taking any steps of any kind, Stan runs to the window in an effort to look for the creature but never gets an angle from outside the window. So then we have um, other evidence. Stan is most noteworthy for his massive collection of photos, video, audio recordings, and more in his quest to prove the existence of aliens. He's an interpret and storied, um, storyteller, putting plenty of effort into planning into each piece without much thought into convincing it will look. So this is basically saying that all of his stuff that he has is fake. Yeah, so it basically implies that everything that he's found, he doesn't care whether it looks fake or not. He considers it evidence. Right, exactly. So, which, so, you which, know, we are definitely taught to use a better eye. Right. I mean, it, it's the, um, you, I think, I think you do something to your credibility when you blindly accept something yeah. as the truth. But I mean, you know, if, if something, you know, like, like Darren Berger or Romanek did indeed happen, I mean, I don't know, and that's what I'm saying. I think it, it's always about perspective. Yeah. So, and and where you are with your ability to accept what's happening at, mm-hmm. at that point in time in your life, right? Yep. Um, but I mean, it it goes on to say that, like for example, um, you know, most of his video work is low definition, shaky with a shaky camera. Uh, most of his photos. Uh, can be easily explained with natural phenomena or flat-out Photoshop fakery. Again, like I said, in those days when... I mean, Photoshop has definitely gotten better, but you could tell when something was Photoshopped. Yeah. Uh, so it's... You know, if if you accept... If you accept uh, obvious fakery as the evidence, then again, it, it impacts and it hurts your credi- For sure. overall credibility. For sure. So... Um, it goes on to say that many of the online eyewitnesses um, are likely just staying himself, posing as various people online to up his credibility. Sure. But, I mean, there's no way to prove that yeah. unless you had those accounts and you could somehow contact them. So then we get into um, how he really messed himself up. Yes, yeah. and this is talked about on the, the documentary. And this is what I was talking about earlier was that, like, any little bit of credibility that he had before this, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. But to him, and we'll talk about what happened, to him, this was all planted to make him look less credible. Right. So in, um, in 2014, uh, Stain was arrested on charges of possessing and distributing child pornography. Yeah. In 2017, he was found guilty of possession, but not guilty of distribution. Either way. Either way. I mean, he's registered now as a sex offender. 
Um, and he basically can't use uh, the internet or a computer without supervision. And so, you know, back to your, you know, from, from a conspiracy theory point of view, if, um, if he was telling the truth, if he was getting the word out there as it relates to aliens, um, and somebody wanted to shut him down and basically remove his ability to continue to spread the word, this certainly did that. Yeah, for sure. So, and then, you know, like you said, it, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to look at it, to watch all of the documentary, but he does um, say that all of this stuff was planted on him. Um, and again, for the effort of trying to silence him. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> so in um, he made a documentary, as we've talked a little bit about before. So in 2013, uh, Stan starred in a documentary that chronicles what Stan describes as his long history with UFOs. Um, it. And film it says here that the film appears to be a simple accounting of many of the more notable events or videos or photos that Stan has kept as um, the evidence to speak for itself. About halfway through, it starts to get into Stan really just talking about himself um, and all of his. Um, it, it does. <laughs> it goes from being an objective to being weird. And and that includes all the videos in the very beginning and all that stuff. Like it just yeah, it becomes cultish. Yeah. So it's, it says here that you know some of, some of the highlights from the film is that many clips of Stan undergoing some astoundingly unconvincing hypnosis in order to deep dive into his men- memories. Uh, comically, he often ignores the questions of the hypn- hypnotist and instead blurts out their pre-prepared story he went there to tell that day. I agree with that. Um, in one video where Stan claims to have captured footage of a strange light that burns out his video surveillance camera, uh, it's obvious that someone is shining a high-powered flashlight down onto the lawn. That light appears that is turned on, moves from the lawn to the camera with visible handshaking and all, and envelops the camera before it mysteriously stops recording. Uh, I mean, when you're, you know, the thing is, is I didn't feel that when I saw it. Right. And so when you're looking at something with a skeptic's eye, you're going to find everything wrong. Right. And I was looking at it from a believer's eye. So I was able to believe everything. So it's like, where, where in the middle, how would, how would one have felt? Right. So I I wonder if, if you were to go back and watch it with a skeptic's eye, would you accept everything you had seen from a believer's perspective? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely thinking about watching it again. Um, so it, it says that uh, at one point, Stan claims to have been riding his bike to work when he was confronted by a van full of four obviously paramilitary men who intend to intimidate him into silence. A fight breaks out. And Stan describes his <laughs> sweet fighting moves. <laughs> yes. This sounds like Napoleon Dynamite. Mm-hmm. <gasps> you know, um, including how he used the bicycle chain as a weapon that allowed him to easily dispatch his attackers before they flee. Well, what's interesting, and I hope we cover this one day, <clears throat> it's on our topic list, but it's, um, oh, Stardust Ranch. So not Skinwalker, but Stardust Ranch. This dude, and Brad and I talked about it once before, this dude claims to have gotten a freaking machete and a samurai sword and cut these aliens up as they attacked his house. Like he would cut them and then they would dissolve. 
Like, dude, his story is insane. You think he had sweet moves? Yeah. Wait till you see this dude at Stardust Ranch. And there's pictures of him, and he's like, whoa, you don't want to mess with us, dude. It says that um, fellow ufologists reflect on an occasion when they were attending a social event in Stan's home when he spotted a young girl in a jumpsuit standing at the end of his driveway in the rain. He snapped a picture on a mobile device and showed it to all in attendance who assure the viewer that the photo was amazing and super convincing. But just as he was about to move the photo to his computer, the aliens deleted it from his device, robbing the world of his most convincing evidence yet. Of course, yes, the skeptic side of me is going, but of course, <laughs> convenient. <laughs> right. But then, you know, the believer size is, yeah, that's what happens. They don't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what... You know, it's like you know, when, we, when we get into talking about Andrew Cole, we're going to get into this a little more. But some of the things that that, that is described in uh, visitors um, from Lanulos, like like we know scientifically to not be true, and so like it's like an it's like a weird rabbit hole where you're, you're like, okay, part of me wants to say, well, do we know because we've never been there? Yeah, like when he talks about Saturn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that they're like farming on Saturn. Yeah. yeah. So, but like, so, you know, I have never been to Saturn and I don't really know, but, you know, so all I have to go off of is NASA's pictures from their satellite. So, if, but if I start going down that path, then that means I'm throwing out everything that scientifically I believe in to trust a man who said that there are flowing rivers on Venus. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it comes to a point where you 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 kind of have to just throw it up in the air and say, maybe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, welcome to flat earthers. Okay, that's <laughs> that's exactly ah, their yeah, thing. Is they're like, uh, I haven't been up to the sky to see it curve, so therefore, yeah, I have to believe it's flat because that's what my eyes see, right? Yeah, so exactly. it's like, Gah. yeah. So, um. All right, so this, this comes from a website, fxsupply.com. This is from uh, Steve Biggs, who is the president of a supply company for FX. So, you know, uh, movies making stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wrote this really good uh, skeptic article, if you will. Yeah, which we'll, we'll post the article as yeah. well for people to see. And um, But there's a section here that I really want to touch on, which is kind of his thoughts around aliens in general. So he says that uh, large-headed aliens from outer space don't exist. Little men with big eyes and small bodies like this have never been seen, and I'll give you two irrefutable reasons. First, a tiny body just can't support that massive head. Gravity just won't allow it. I worked on the E.T. shows for Universal, and I can tell you about this. First... E.T.'s center of gravity makes him fall face-first onto the ground. He always ha- we always had to clamp the guy to the table. The same thing is true with all these aliens. They have legs, but they can't walk around nor even stand. If one of those sneezed, the mass of the head would knock him on his butt. <laughs> you don't know alien structure or anatomy. <laughs> That's, and see, once again, this is all stuff that assumes that they are essentially built like a human's built, yeah, right? Or right. based off of the laws of our world. Right. So, um, E.T. had two other design problems. His arms were too long, but he had to use muscle to lift them. 
unless we wanted to drag his arms across the ground. The other problem was his neck extension. It just doesn't occur in nature to extend vertebrae. This is to say nothing about the amount of muscle needed to lift that heavy head. E.T. is an excellent example of a hoax. It has the permanent imprint of bad design. <laughs> nature has the permanent imprint of exceptional design. Second, and this is the most important thing, it has to do with the birth canal. Sorry, folks, but it is impossible for a tiny body like those to carry a big old head like that in the womb and give birth to it. Again, assuming that they give birth. Give birth like we do. Right, not an egg. Right, or spontaneous or cloned or who yeah, knows. Yeah, so. Humans are just barely large enough to pass through the pumpkin-sized head through the birth control birth canal, and sometimes that doesn't even work. Our little UFO people have heads that contain more mass than their bodies. Sorry, the math just doesn't add up. And lastly here, you may argue that in space travel, you don't need a large body because you are weightless. Okay, got me on that one. But there is now a bigger problem with that theory. It's okay in outer space, but when these creatures are on our planet, they've got to walk around like the rest of us. We know that our planet has gravity and a lot of a lot of it for a little guy. These creatures aren't used to that much gravity. It will smash them like a bug on a rock. If these were truly from outer space, they would be riding around in little wheelchairs with a big head support. <laughs> in fact, now that I think of it, why are these gray guys always naked? Certainly with all the high tech, they would just fashion they would be fashion conscious. So So two and, things I'm gonna say on that. <clears throat> One there is a lot of theory that what we see is a spacesuit. We don't know. We we think of things mechanically yeah. as opposed to organically. Right. That it may be some sort of organic spacesuit. Well, and I'll so to give credence to that, if you think about the movie Fire in the Sky, mm -hmm. there's a part where he gets loose on the ship and he's wandering around and he finds the big eyed yeah. Lankies, and he and he turns it around, and it is just a suit yeah. that the aliens wear. The other thing is, and this one's going to be goofy, okay. but there are there are more than just <clears throat> images of the greys as short, big-headed, blah, blah. A lot of them are tall and skinny as well, so that's them on their ship. They step off, gravity hits them, crunches them down. <laughs> okay? That's what happens. You're welcome. What was that? Uh, I am the tallest. What was the, It was a He-Man character. That had the legs yeah. that would spring boing, and the guy would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, who knows, man? Yeah. We, we don't know. And once again, we don't know. We, we can only think of our nature. Right. We don't know how gravity would affect something else. Well, and I mean, they presumably they've maybe perfected some sort of an anti-gravity right. suit. Yeah, that allows I mean, them we're to already working on something for Mars because Mars has different gravity, right? right? You know, we're having to think about that. And then there's a show, The Expanse, and I know it's sci-fi. They talk about the people that have grown up in space and how their muscles have long right. lengthened and stretched. And I was looking at one, I was like, God, ah, it looks like some of the long, skinny versions of the aliens yeah. that you see. Which is which is also, and I'll just kind of throw this out there, one of the, spook, uh, the creepy catch-up things that I've had that I didn't mention before was I had a dream where... Uh, uh, Indrid told asked me if I had ever considered that the Greys are androids. Hmm. Yeah. So then it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, because then they would have the power to hold themselves up. Right. What, what does it matter? Hmm. Interesting. That's what I'm saying. It's like you can't say 100%. Here's how you can fix. Right. You know, say that this isn't. Uh, we have to. 
I don't know. We wouldn't have a paranormal show if we didn't want to believe, right? right? exactly. So. Right. <laughs> so go listen to your Jesus podcast if you want to hear something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so Stan Romanek, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He's a, so I wanted to say, just in case you um, are somewhere where you're not on our social media and you don't see that link, um, so this guy, Steve Biggs, he wrote about this and he talks a lot about Stan Romanek and it's www.fxsupply.com slash features slash Romanek.html. So check that out there if you want to see his whole thing, cause he really gets into <laughs> Romanek as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, he gets into the whole, the whole, the thought behind it being a puppet and mm-hmm. how it could be a puppet and how it could be a puppet and still have its eyelids move and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's a really good read from a skeptic's perspective. Yeah, because, I mean, if you know anything about puppetry, especially like you look at Dark Crystal or things like that, where you have these big Henson puppets that have multiple moving parts, you know that it takes more than one person. And you tell me that this guy was able to afford animatronics back then? I mean, a simple little servo that you pull out of a uh, remote control truck. Could. But is this guy that intelligent? I mean, that's the question. I mean, the, one of the reasons the skeptics hate him is because of how ignorant and dumb he is. Maybe it's right? an act. What, <laughs> I, I, read, I, read, I read somewhere that the guy who plays, um, uh, what's the get her done guy? Yeah. Th- that yeah. he actually went, he's got like a master's degree from like yeah. Yale or something. Yeah, he is. He's so he, play, he plays an idiot on TV. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we got to get moving on. Um, so I want to get into our listener story. Yep. Um, so one of the cool things that we've done is not only have we reached out to the haunted history of Kentucky and things like that and getting some really good ghost stories, we've been hitting up some, uh, UFO and alien boards and groups and stuff on Facebook as well, because we wanted to get some listener stories, uh, from folks on there. Uh, and we've been getting a few. So, uh, one of the ones we had come into our email comes from Christine Reed. Yep, and so this is uh, this is her story. And so, reminder: um, if we don't find you first, you can email us at fearscapepodcast at gmail dot com. That's fearscapepodcast at gmail dot com. Send us your story, uh, even a line or two, and we'll read it. Whether it's a UFO sighting, whether it's a ghost haunting, whether cryptid. it's a demon, a cryptid, I don't care. All of the above. If yep. you were abducted, I want to know. If you went on an alien spaceship and there was a demon, a cryptid, and a ghost playing poker, let us know about it. Let us know. We want to know the (laughs) punchline. So, But yeah, uh, go ahead, and here's the story from Christine. I had a sight back in 89, early 90s. Not exactly sure that year. I was about 10 or 11 years old. I had a daytime sighting of a silver, metallic, shiny saucer right above my house. It was so close that I could see ridges around the saucer. It had made no noise, just hovered there. I was with my neighbor friend, and she had went to get her mom, but by the time she got back, it was gone. It was the most fantastic experience I've ever had, and to this day, I'm now 40, feels like it was yesterday. So yeah, I mean that puts us puts her at our age. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I can relate to that because my first sightings, you know, were in the early, like mid eighties. And I'd like to give a shout out. This is actually, I think, maybe our first listener story from outside the U.S. This comes from us from Canada. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, from Windsor, very, very Windsor, cool. Canada. Windsor, Can- well, that's over by where I grew up. <laughs> so Windsor is literally so forty five minutes north of Toledo. It's you cross the bridge at Detroit, and that's Windsor. Wow. And I'll be up there at the end of the month. That's cool. So. 
I'm going to track you down, Christine. No, I'm just, just joking. <laughs> just, just joking. Just joking. Um, but, but yeah, thanks for sending that in to yeah, us. That's really awesome. That was really great. And um, keep sending those in. We want to know more. And uh, definitely, Christine, if you've had any other sightings or if something happens again, let us know. Yeah. Let us know, and we can point you towards some resources and some things like that. Yep. So once again, fearscapepodcast at gmail.com. Place to be. Place to be. Place to be. <laughs> be um, there or be square. Yeah, be there or be square. I'm always I always hate leaving. I'm not really ever ready to go. This is the most exciting thing of my week that I look forward to every week. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh no, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're gonna get out of here. Um, but uh, we love you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to uh, share the podcast wherever you are at, any social media that you have, especially if you follow us, which you can follow us at Fearscape Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can get on there, um, speak to us, share stories there at those places, as well as send in any, any pictures or anything you yep. want us to check out, all that stuff. But follow us there, share our podcast, and then anywhere that you listen to the podcast, especially places like Apple Podcasts and stuff like that, anywhere that you can rate or review yep. the podcast please do really that helps, helps us, us get noticed yeah. a little bit more and we are so thankful because we know that you already have our numbers have been doubling yeah and uh we are so very thankful to everyone that tunes in and shares this podcast um we have fun but we take this stuff very seriously yep, very much so and we love you guys so we're gonna get out of here again i know uh once again i said I'm, i don't want to go <laughs> i don't want to go i feel like david Tennant in uh doctor who and he's like i'm not ready to go yet <laughs> and uh but anyways uh but this has been stefan and i will catch you on the flip side this has been josh the truth is out there remember blanket huggers hold that blanket extra tight and we'll see you next week good night folks good night I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. <laughs>